was done is done. <laughs> is what done. was done is done. We must move forward. We must. We Ever must. with our vision on the horizon of the, the candlelit promenade of gesticular homage. Really? <laughs> gesticular homage? Yes. Yes. It's a real thing. Look it up. Okay. <laughs> In the meantime, it's... 9.55 a.m. Saturday, December the 18th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> Might have carried that on a little bit too long there. But that's okay. We got the fairy lights. We got the magic. We got the golden glow that's in the air, not just on the walls. That's what I have to say about that. And... It's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. Has it not? It has. Yes, it has. I did a Treehouse concert on Tuesday. Kind of a surprise, to even to me. I just came up with it on Monday and said, I'm going to do it. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Because I felt good. felt good to play the guitar. I'm going to do it. And I did it. Ah, ham and eggs. And it felt good to play the guitar. And uh, don't know when and I'll was, do it again, but it was fun. And I... I found that we really had missed our little connection oh, with all the people. That's and... the thing. It's like it, I got to figure out another way to do that, you know, because if I can't play the guitar as comfortably anymore, then I got to do something. Read just, poetry. Yeah. People like reading. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. I guess I just need to try Reed it. Read Dickens. I just, really, I could be, be doing the serialized uh, readings. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I could get away with that. Copyright-wise, legality-wise. I don't know whether Dickens has copyright yeah, issues at this point. I, was, I wasn't thinking of Dickens. I was thinking of anything. Oh, okay. I always feel like I'm a, I'm a little... I'm, but I'm not making money. Well, I am making money on the deal. Shh. Okay, sorry. Anyway, that was fun. And uh, I've had some... I'm, I am trying to build a physical program that will work with this pain that I've been having in my back since mid-August. And I feel like I'm making the kind of slow, methodical progress that is the ultimately will be the right way to have gone about this. So that's good too. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? Is that just gesticulation homage? I was. I was. I was tossing it to you, Diane. I yeah, was, that's. I was. I was. Pardon me. I'm having another drink of coffee. Moving it. That was a gesticular homage. Gesticulation. <laughs> Boy. To the end of my it's good coffee. Um, the end of my statement, <laughs> the transition, the segue, as it were. Yeah. Well, this morning I am thinking you, Bill Davy, <laughs> a lot about uh, something that we watched last night, mm. and we watched a couple of things though. We watched. You're thinking a couple about both of them, I bet. I'm thinking about both of them okay. and the way that this came about. But yeah. uh, as everyone knows, we have been quite fascinated by uh, the Hollow Crown series that is a Shakespearean yeah. production. New adaptations of Shakespeare plays. And uh, of the history plays. And we have just gotten through the season one of the Hollow Crown, which was quite amazing. And I was uh, watching some previews for the second series, which features Benedict Cumberbatch as Richard III and I'm really greatly looking forward to that we're going to be working with that again in the Westminster basement um, school 
<laughs> I feel it's like the Westminster that's Basement our, Study Group. It's the study group. Yes. Salon. We've yeah. got, had all sorts of ideas about that. But uh, where Bill Woolham, a instructor of note of Shakespeare, has been gracious enough to present his wonderful ideas about these these plays. To spearhead the discussion, yeah. And I'm kind of chomping at the bit to get at that uh, series, but we're going to be doing that in January, so I just wanted to have a little bit of a taste again of Benedict Cumberbatch in that role. There's a couple of uh, wonderful YouTube previews, uh, previews of it. So interestingly... Uh, one of the things that is is kind of frightening and kind of cool <laughs> at the same time about YouTube is the more you're looking things up, the more it brings up things of your interest. Right. And one of the the interesting things that came up for me to watch was this uh, debate that was put on by this group called Intelligence Squared. I've never heard of this um, before. And uh, I actually, before our show today, wanted to give you a pithy uh, idea of what this group does because I had no idea until I read this. Intelligence Squared uses the traditional Oxford-style debating format. A motion is proposed with two speakers arguing in, in favor and two against. Opening speech is around 10 minutes in length, and they have a lively... Q&A from the floor. This is what their usual thing is. And they have themes covered that are foreign policy, religion, history and social policy, politics and economics, science and technology, art and culture and environment. That was not what we watched, but that has totally intrigued me into into this group's uh, efforts. But the thing that we watched was what another strand of their their focus is, which is the cultural combat debates in which two cultural figures are pitted against each other. These began in 2013 with Verdi versus Wagner. So um, it was very interesting to have stumbled upon this. Uh, the, the thing that was stumbled upon was because of the actor Tom Hiddleston, who is... Plays uh, Henry V. He plays Henry V in yeah. this historical... In the Hollow Crown. Shakespeare plays yeah. in the Hollow Crown. So they had this marvelous debate that was one of the cultural combats, Dickens versus Tolstoy. Yeah. And I have always loved both those authors, uh, but I just found it so fascinating that they did this debate. So we watched it last night. And the way that they do these debates is they have two people, each taking one of the authors or one of the cultural uh, icons. In this case, it was Dickens and Tolstoy. And then they have, in this case since it was a uh, literature they have some actors who act out the scenes that they they feel are instrumental to your understanding of their love of that particular author and it was just an amazing it was fun uh debate because i i did not 
know exactly what this whole thing was about until I just read it. And I, but I was fascinated anyway, both from the, speaking of homage, the homage that, that both the uh, debaters were giving to the other author, that they were saying, I'm not saying that this person wasn't great, but I'm just, uh, I'm going to take the stance of illuminating the power of this particular author. And they were both 19th century authors, and they uh, both had tremendous impact on the world at large. So I, I think that the, the thing that I found so fascinating about it was that by doing that, the person who was debating and, and giving the, the summary of their of why this person was so powerful, they would have a, a, a part that they would be describing, then they'd have the reading, and then they'd go back into their own debate points right. of reading, and then it would flip over to the other uh, speaker. Yeah. And it was quite powerful because you were getting these little glimpses into why this was important at the same time as you were getting um, these powerful readings uh, that were very emotionally wrought in ways that you may not read it in your mind, I would say. The other part of it that was interesting to me is that the audience is polled at the beginning of the debate and at the end of the debate so that they come in with their own preconceived ideas about who they would pick, Dickens versus Tolstoy. But then they they rank the same thing based on the debate that they've just witnessed. So it was interesting. Yeah, and it was uh, it was interesting because most of the people who came in would have voted for Dickens. And although it was not very, it, it was, was it pretty. It was not a big win. Uh, yeah, it was uh, not a big win. It was like 62% to 44 or something like that. At the end, with I the think. rest With the rest undecided. Whereas coming in, Dickens was ahead, you know, forty-eight to forty-two or something. Yeah, like that. I, I think that 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 part of it was less interesting to me. But it's basically, from reading this, it's it's more about the debate. Right. You know That's that they're what, ra- ranking the debate. Right, they're ranking the debate. Yeah. Who who was the person that swayed <clears throat> your opinion the most? And the person who was doing that part of the debate, I've actually heard of, Simon Sharma, Sharma. He's a historian. He was and, the Dickens guy? Yeah. Yeah. And we've heard of him because of one of our friends, Val Sanford, has recommended a series that he did on the Jewish... Was um, that him or was that the other guy? No, it that was... that was the Tolstoy guy that had done that. No, it was the Tolstoy guy. So, oh, that's who we're talking about. Yeah, because oh, he was the one... Who, he was the Dickens guy. No, he was the Tolstoy guy because he won the debate. Right. And he was a very powerful debater he was or speaker too well both of them were yeah to tell you the truth they did really good presentations of and picked really good passages to have enacted too in any event um i just found that to be such a a nourishing experience to watch these amazing brilliant men talking with fervor and zest about why they love these authors and why they were so important. 
to our lives. And I think my favorite part was that um, <laughs> was about Dickens, a quote that Dickens had that I just thought was so amazing. I had never heard this idea before. And uh, the, the person who was presenting Dickens said that Dickens had quoted, or it was quoted to say, it is the custom on the stage in all good murderous melodramas to present the tragic and the comic scenes in as regular alternation as the layers of red and white in a side of streaky, well-cured bacon. And I just thought that was such an amazing idea that life has these striations like well-cured bacon. You wouldn't want just one or the other. You wouldn't want it all white. You wouldn't want it all red. You know, it it has to be the two in such close proximation with each other. And... I would say, although I was very swayed by uh, Sharma's um, debate points, for me, Dickens will always be my author. Um, I have been reading Dickens ever since I was a kid. Um, We're very young. I remember the first book I read by him was Great Expectations. And I remember just being enchanted. I almost like mesmerized by that story um the characters the uh the suspense and when you're young you don't you you're reading classics with the idea of oh my god i've got to read a classic and then when you find how enchanting that classic is uh it really stays with you and it that book really stayed with me but I think about how Dickens has actually changed my entire view of life. And a lot of it is because of how the power of his stories was so intense. You got wrapped up into the characters and wrapped up into this comic tragic striation. Um, And certainly since he was writing for, uh, for magazines, there's always this white knuckle part of every chapter that you're going oh my god what's going to happen you know um and i just found that a lot of the way that he had uh written about life has given me a sense of comfort uh particularly because i was thinking about you there are all sorts of social injustices in the world that he explores he explores a lot. Yeah. He explores the injustice of poverty, the the law, you know, like in Bleak House, this uh, the injustices that happen in the legal profession. He he was just a social justice warrior, really. Yeah. And by his his concepts that are being produced for you, you are actually witnessing a justice that is done in his books because he writes the justice in the stories and sometimes i wonder if that's because his time like ours may not you may not be seeing that any justice is done you're just seeing these these you don't get to see things come right again yeah but he kind of 
compress it kind of compresses things in a way that wherein you get to. Yeah. You know? That's why it was powerful to watch the David Copperfield again because of, you know, justice does get served ultimately. So after we watched this debate, we decided to watch David Copperfield, the BBC production with, uh, it's a little mini-series with Maggie Smith playing Betsy Trotwood and uh, Bob Hoskins playing Mr. Macabre, just an incredible job on that. And Daniel Ratcliffe is... uh, Little boy, little David Copperfield. And it was before his days in in Harry Potter. He's quite a young child. But man, he was an incredible actor in that. And it was so wonderful to watch that. So soul-enriching, I want to say. I've seen it maybe five or six times now, but every time I watch it, I just love it. Yep. And this time, just watching Maggie Smith in this character of someone who is presented with an abusive stepfather of her nephew, who she has not seen since he was a baby, <laughs> and he has come, walked, run away from home, walked all the way to her place and actually ran ran away from ran away from the workhouse from the workhouse but um but ran away and the stepfather comes to heap more abuse on him to retrieve him and heap more abuse on him (laughs) and and betsy trotwood just her speech as a woman standing up to that bully and just scolding him and that he ripping him a new one basically (laughs) and his sister and his sister too and your little dog too anyway uh, it was just a treat and and i was thinking about all the injustices that are righted in that book you know the um, the injustice towards the child of david copperfield the injustice of Uriah Heep, who is basically a a no good Nick, who has been stealing from an embezzler, an embezzler, and yeah. stealing from his his employer, and and all the stories, and, and the and the kind of the 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 puppy love story of of David and the and the woman he marries, and and. Uh, the long-suffering daughter of like, I don't know Agnes, Agnes, who waits, and at the end they're finally united. At the end, but you, you're already thinking all the way through. Why aren't those two? <laughs> exactly. Seems like those two are perfect for each other, and, and, and you watch him fall in love with this kind of airheaded person. It's just interesting to watch these sorts of things and realize that we have inside of our hearts. This desire to see those things happen. We and don't get to see it very much in our lives. Yeah. You know, it's usually because, again, I blame the media. Because when you watch the news, what you see is the latest, latest bad thing that happened. The latest right. bad thing that happened. You don't get to hear the backside of things getting fixed. You don't get the, you know, once in a while there'll be what they call a human interest piece at the end of the newscast. And why the entirety of the newscast isn't based upon human interest, I have no idea. But, you know, if humans are in, you should show humans what they're interested in. I felt like it was perfect timing to discover Dickens again at this 
time of year. Yeah. Because we've talked before about the wonderful film called The Man Who Invented Christmas. It is just a marvelous story that is based, it's fancifully done, and yet it it is based on the real story of how Dickens came about writing A Christmas Carol, which was uh, done in very short order because he was in financial. And he paid himself, he paid for the publication out of his own pocket. Yeah. But, but I mean, everything about that story, about the real story about how he wrote that, is like a a story from a Dickens. from one of his novels. Yeah, so, that's true. of you know, rags to riches to rags to riches, you know, yeah. it just is amazing. Yeah. But he is the person. The reason why the the film was called that is um, Christmas was not a holiday that people observed. Yeah, it was a very different thing yeah. at that time. It had been observed for a while, but the traditions had fell, fallen out of favor, and he brought an entirely new focus to how Christmas would be celebrated right. and, and actually did this marvelous thing. But he also, through that story of A Christmas Carol, it was amazing at the end of the the movie, they actually gave the the percentage of people who contributed to the poor during that year, you know, like some astronomical... After, after the Christmas Carol was published, which it was published right before Christmas. Right, right? before Christmas, and, and people... And the autom- amount of charitable giving went up exponentially. Exactly. Because after, the, after the release of that book. It's just amazing. Because it, it's just an amazing piece of history uh, that reads like a Dickens story. And you think about the whole idea of Scrooge, for example, and yeah. and how he, everybody knows who Scrooge is, yeah. whether, uh, I don't know, maybe they don't in other countries, but True. anybody who reads English literature or, you know, anything in, in if English. If someone says the word Scrooge. You know what it is. You know what you it know, is. You know, know what it what represents. It yeah. Yeah. Don't be a Scrooge about it. I always loved that story, A Christmas Carol, because it was it was showing that, that Scrooge had all this money, but he didn't even enjoy it. He was miserable. It. He, he was, was a miserable sot. And so it shows that having having the riches isn't what... Living the dream <laughs> is bougie. Well... Living the dream, it depends on what your dream is. But just the having of wealth when you don't enjoy it and you don't share it. And it always brings up our wonderful literature of comedy that Bill Woolham shared with us in our salon. Because he basically was saying that the, the whole theme of comedy is community and life giving things so i just i always applaud dickens effect in my life and what he wrought in the way that i think and i think that he represented poverty in such a way that you you could feel it yeah. you can you can not only um think of the injustice of it but you could feel what it would be to be in this state of 
being disempowered and disowned and uh, and without anything in the world. How do you survive? Yeah. And I just think that he had a, a, an amazing effect on the way we all think. And in the debate between Tol- about Tolstoy versus Dickens, I think that the main thing is that Tolstoy was was a count. He, you know, he did not experience. He came from privilege. Yeah, yeah. he didn't experience the the poverty, which he also sought to change right. as a so- social justice observer. But it's a little different when you have actually come from that disadvantage. And um, so, anyway. I I just I'm now fascinated to watch some of these other intelligence squared um, debates on different issues too. It'll uh, because I've spoken before about the fact that my brother was in debate, and that has always been an educating force in my life too. Having had him explore the debate and how it works, and um, told me how did how that was structured and oftentimes in their debate they would actually take the opposite point of view just to show their logic and power in actually debating an issue they, they'd have you argue one side of the debate and then they'd have you argue the other side of the debate. right yeah. and that is something that i think is sorely missing in our culture right now is the actual intelligence and logic of a debate rather than just mudslinging and getting somebody on your side because of a cultural issue. So. Yeah, it's more like rock throwing than mudslinging these days. Yeah, really. Yeah. In any event, yes, Dickens has been Dickens. on our mind, and you know, I can't think of a better song to represent his thoughts than one of my favorite Jethro Tull Christmas classics. There you go. <laughs>
and ivy clings, your fate is none too clear. The Lord may find you wanting, let your good fortune disappear. All homely comforts blown away, and all that's left to show is to share your joy at Christmas time with Jack Frost and the Hoodie Crow. Talking words of rain or snow While you through chattering teeth Reply and curse us as you go Why not spare a thought This day for those who have no flame To warm their bones at Christmas time Say Jack Frost and the hoodie crow Thank you. 